Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own, because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title, you get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Apparently, we've met, or we haven't met. Yeah, we're not sure. Two years ago. When will we find out? Um, I texted Sasha, so let's see what she's saying. The connector herself. So I'm 100% sure she connected us and we met once and you just forgot me. So whether we met or didn't meet was back in 2018 yes. in Vienna. I was there for the TEDx event and you were there because you're Austrian. Yes, exactly. Born in Austria. And yet this interview takes place in Tel Aviv. Yes, the beauty of life, right? So let's start putting things in order. <laughs> If you can, please tell us who you are, what do you do and why do you do it? Well, I don't like labels so much, um, but if you ask my name, that is Tanya. And if you ask what's on my business card, it actually says uh, managing partner and founder of the Female Factor, which is a community to empower women and uh, bring them in leadership positions. And if you check my passport, that says that I'm Austrian. And there is no official document yet that says that I'm here in Israel. But yes, I live here for like I moved here last year. What was your initial connection to Israel? My initial connection was um, I celebrated a birthday here with friends. I actually didn't like it. And I actually really said I don't want to come back. And then, you know, life. So um, I got the offer to be part of an acceleration program that was happening here in Tel Aviv. And um, despite my non-so-pleasant first experience, I actually said yes to it. And um, I had the honor being here and living here for a month and getting to know the Israeli startup ecosystem. Um, got to know entrepreneurs and investors and how people are actually thinking and approaching entrepreneurship here. And that was for me a complete like game changer. Um, and I worked in like start with startups before and in innovation and uh, I led an acceleration program myself in Europe. So basically all my, my whole time was dedicated to entrepreneurs and to feel the energy and uh, the willingness to change the world, which I loved. But coming here to Israel and being in Tel Aviv in the startup hotspot, Uh, was just completely changing everything. And I just feel so much home here. And that's what I said from the second time I've been here, actually. So when you came for the second time, when did you hear that click? That is a very good question. I think I need to give a shout out to one of my friends. His name is Vic. 
he introduced us back then to a lot of people and he actually really helped us to kick off our program here. And the way he jumped in for us, helping like strangers, basically, we just randomly texted him on, uh, on Facebook back then, me and my business partner. And the way he just made us feel like being so welcome here and so supportive um, was for me like something that is very rare. And there was such an immediate connection um, towards like the Israeli mentality. So I think that's where I really started to appreciate the Israeli people and the openness and the warm heartedness. We're also quite lucky to be able to kind of pin you down for this interview. You traveled extensively. Pre-corona, right? Pre-corona. <laughs> yeah. how, how often would you travel and, and why? I worked a lot um, for the Startup Acceleration program before, and that is taking place in every single city in Europe. So I was traveling from Israel to, I don't know, Kosovo or to Bulgaria and all those like other countries in, um, in Europe. And the last time also to Asia. Shortly before Corona started, I flew to China and I was here only like two weeks per month, which I really didn't like because I wanted it to be my home base. And this is something that I really wanted to change. But back then, pre-corona, you know, do you have the assumption that you need to be with your team and you need to be offline and in your office to actually make things happen. But uh, thanks to Corona, it's really like the freedom to just live here and enjoy every single second. So let me get this straight. You were traveling extensively. You were at the point where you're like, oh my God, enough is enough. Yeah. So you travel to China and you come back. Shortly after Corona starts. <laughs> I know, I thought mm. about this. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I came back in December and it started in February. Okay. okay. So some months. And yeah. I hadn't had any symptoms. <laughs> Okay, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I just hope your suitcases got uh, properly examined when you came back into exactly. the country. Of course, always. Traveling as a, you know, blonde woman. You mentioned you had your own startup. Yes. So maybe take us to the beginning of your professional career and kind of help chart the way so we can drill down where necessary. So my professional career, I mean, I was working with my mom early on. That actually shaped me a lot. My mom had um, gas stations when I was a kid. So this is where I learned how to actually lead a business and stuff, right? Um, and then I had the honor to go into the startup scene and um, working for one of the fastest growing e-commerce companies in Berlin. So that was like something that really shaped my identity when it comes to startups. What was the company? Um, the name, the original name was Kazakanda. And um, then they were acquired by Fab, Fab.com, if you know them. Kazakanda, huge, rolls yeah. off your tongue, Kazakanda. Kazakanda yeah. Sounds like something you go to your doctor for, like, doctor, I, <laughs> I have this Kazakanda yeah. in my elbow. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I didn't like the name either. I think that was actually an, another name before, but I don't remember. So we pivoted a lot during that time and I worked closely together with the three founders. And this was something that, you know, I learned everything what you need to know and i really loved it we were working so hard and it was so inspiring to work with people that they believe in their mission and they really want to change something and i mean it was very business driven and money driven to be honest that's also something that i took took for myself that i don't want to have this fast growing thing at all costs so we just spent tons of money on marketing to acquire new customers and then they sold this whole thing were you afraid or worried for your position that people will overtake you in the company no, back then as an intern I was just like trying to support and learn as much as possible. So I was like a sponge, whatever I could get my hands on and learn. I just loved, I really loved the, the spirit of it. But for me, it was also clear that I don't want to stay in this company. So that also helped, you know, I just really wanted to squeeze what I can get out of it and then just leave anyways. I, in any ways, I needed to go back to Austria because I needed to finish my studies. And also in the end, I really didn't like the whole speed, what I said, like, you know, that fast growing stuff. So it was fine for me, to be honest. And it was really cool to see like so many different people coming in with the skill set because I went through the CVs and, you know, had the first interviews and seeing like they're so dope and they want to work for this like super young company, like understanding what kind of a startup can do and what kind of a vision it creates and the kind of magnetic sense to people that really want to change something as well and want to put your, everything they have into one company that was so cool to see. Why was the motivation to join so great? I mean... It's, it's a hard proposition. A lot of uncertainty, budget is unclear, the product is, still needs to prove itself. Where is, the, oh, yeah. where, is the, where, where is the draw coming from? I think it is just really, and I saw that with many of the, of the companies I've worked with or with the CEOs, and it's just visionary people that, are, that manage somehow to put their vision into words or in, like either spoken or written. 
and somehow they managed to attract the right people with it because they promised, hey, we are like the best. We know what we are doing, even if they don't. I see that now also with like the female factor that I'm leading now. If people have the sense of belonging and the sense that they can change something and they work with people, they really know what they're doing or actually appear to do what they're doing, you know? Hey, this <laughs> it start is, yeah, it's start a thing. Then it doesn't matter so much that maybe you're working more than other companies and it's for sure not for everyone, but I see it with my team and my team is like, oh my God, I love them. It's just the feeling that they can contribute to something bigger and they give all their heart to it. It's like amazing. And I love that we created something similar to what I adored with the founders back then. Got it. So that was startup. You graduated, yeah. you've had, you've had a, a remarkable journey within that company. What was the next step? The next step was traveling. And then I came back and I wanted to go back into the startup scene and started to work for a startup in Austria. So one successful Austrian founder started this company builder and one of the startups, um, he invested himself and was the CEO himself. So I worked there and I was again, working very closely with the, with the founder just because of the experience I had before. And I still remember, I still felt like a rookie when I'm coming back because it was just like an intern before. And then I applied for this job and then he's like, oh my God, you've been in Berlin with like in a startup. And yes, because in Austria, no one knew what a startup is, right? There were like maybe a handful of, of startups that really? just got started. Yeah, we were so late in the game. What, what year are we speaking Seven about? years late. You know. What year are we talking about? Uh, that was 2012. 2012. Okay, yeah. so eight years ago, startups in Austria were still... Yeah. Were like really, and then you worked for that company builder. What was yeah. the next stage after that? So after that, um, I felt, okay, I'm investing so much time and effort and resources in actually building someone else thing. Uh, and actually, if I ever want to do something by myself, I wanted to go somewhere in the travel industry because I love traveling and tourism is my background. So why not doing that? So in order to get to know the scene, I applied for a job at corporate first time. It was booking.com. Um, so I was an account manager at booking.com in Vienna, um, and it uh, was so boring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shortest four months of my life. <laughs> what does an account manager do for booking.com? Basically helping, you know, hotels and apartment owners to set up their profiles, closing them, supporting them in everything that they need. So a lot of customer service and a lot of like sales and talks and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it was so bad, but I learned all the background information. So what do you need for like, in terms of availability, how to build the system, what do you need to think of, how to do proper customer service. I learned a lot, but I really didn't like it. Why didn't I like it? Because it was a nine to five job and it's not like, yeah, it's a nine to five. You need to be there at nine. You need to leave at five. You can't stay longer. You can't come later. And I'm like, what is What do you this? mean you can't stay longer? No, they didn't. Like multiple times I wanted to finish stuff and my like boss back then, you need to leave Tanya. And I'm like, I just want to finish. No. So they needed to have structure for everyone. I was like, okay, this is, I, I can't deal with it. And this was also, by the way, the first time ever when I came home at five, I like had nothing to do. It's like, that's what people are doing. They have free time. So should I start a hobby now? Did you start a hobby? No. I, yeah, I started my business then. <laughs> because I'm like, okay, this is not for me. Free time. <laughs> so yeah, no, but I realized after like 10 months, I can't stay. So I just, again, tried to be a sponge and learn everything um, what I could. And based on that experience, I started my own startup which was a scheduling and booking tool for beauty studios. Hey Beauty. Hey Beauty. Yeah. It's a good name. Yeah, very much, right? I loved it. What did the company do other than booking just? So we basically were booking.com for studios or like a trip advisor, so to say, but with booking function because we listed all the studios that are in Austria um, and had a description and all the stuff and then you can book directly. And we were a team of three. One, one of my co-founders, she was um, responsible for sales. I did like all the operations and marketing and branding and the CTO, obviously. And the CTO did not really, even though it was his experience exactly doing marketplaces, he did not really perform the way that I wanted it. And back then I was super young. I was like 24 maybe. So I had no idea how to, you know, be a CEO and tell him like, listen, do your work, you know? Uh, so yeah, it kind of didn't really work out with the product. So we faked it and we kind of, whenever someone booked something, we called the studio on the other side and asked if they were him. <laughs> which worked. It reminds me of the Zappos story, the, the, uh, online shoe retailer. Yeah. So to assess the supply and demand, they couldn't just go and buy all the shoes in the world and then hope someone would buy them from yeah. them. They'd see the orders and they'll go up and down High Street, find them and, and ship it. Yeah, sometimes you need to. I mean, honestly, it just proved that there is a, there's a need and that it works. Um, but I, I lost 
complete interest after like just two years then we tried multiple times i really loved what we wanted to do but there was like one significant change in my mindset what made me actually stop it then in the end and um but it was yeah good learning there's a sentence in startups that before we automate it let's humanate it exactly. like let's see what the process is yeah. if a regular person yeah. does it Easy. so three people a year and a half yeah you are working pretty hard were you making yeah. any money no so I was, who's paying uh, for this adventure well i mean i had a part-time job at one of the biggest publishers in um, austria and there is austria is great for your entrepreneurs because we are supporting our yeah, the country is supporting in different grant schemes and um yeah supports with a lot of money and other you know um, helpful resources and i was in an entrepreneurial program there as well which is financing you for up to eight months what changed in your perception transitioning from working in a startup to being a startup founder everything right now i think what i see now also and i have really a dope team that are really giving their best but in the end you know if the company is going down they just move on right so it's really always the founder's responsibility for little little details for everything for big decisions so in the end it always comes back to you and depends on you what you're doing with the company and that's a level of um, responsibility that I obviously did not feel when I was an intern or anything. So what is the payoff? You get the, you get all of the authority and all of the responsibility, uh, but what do you pay in order to be the one in charge? I mean, for me, what I'm paying, I mean, I always take the cut of salary, obviously. So I'm trying to pay the team first and have them, um, have, them have a proper salary. But for me, the level of freedom and I just, hated to report to people so i'm just really not good at that and i don't like it if others are making decisions for me just, oh. we are almost at present day tanya right with the story what year are we on timeline i mean we're still in 2000 what was that 16 16 so four more years 16. to go before yeah. before being here yeah before being here. Right. what happened after uh, hey beauty got a uh, uh, clothed and sold Mm. Did um, you, would, yeah. where were you mentally at that point? Because yeah. you were already working very, very hard, making up, uh, making ends meet with a part-time job, selling that company, you know, and then where did you get the energy to um, kickstart your career again? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, I took some months off after that. It was really emotionally super hard. And I think this is one thing, you know, failing with a startup in a sense, giving up on your dream and the thing you built for two years and all the efforts. And even though I always like addressed it as learnings, obviously it was still hard. And the other thing that was also with there, I co-founded with my best friend and my flatmate. So we were living together, but not talking for three weeks or so living together in a flat. That's you know? very hard. That's, uh, was very challenging. Did you yeah. uh, restore the friendship with the best yes. friend? Yeah. Yeah, we managed. So you had to have some time apart. Yeah, in, in the flat part, but yeah, we just didn't talk for three weeks. I mean, it felt, you know, thinking about that now, it felt we were so young. I felt so like naive and so, I don't know, unexperienced in terms of how to handle feelings and conflicts and stuff like that. So now thinking back, it's like, who were I? What, what was this person? How did I deal with that? You know? when you uh, start getting job offers again did you feel you were not as strong or as confident because of how hey beauty ended no actually i got the job offer of the acceleration program so startup life um, is the name and it felt perfect for me that's that's i think why it changed and all the other things that i got was like Meh. but that one that really clicked also because i pitched um hey beauty a couple of years before two years mm. before at a startup life um, stage and it really helped me to grow as an entrepreneur because they are connecting you with all or we connected everyone with um, a lot of entrepreneurs and experts in different fields and you just feel that you're belonging to this community and you can ask like literally everyone so it really helped me so I love the brand and I felt yes you know I overcame I actually know now how it feels to be a founder I went through so many stages so I can now help others so what was your official role I was managing partner Managing so, partner yes. of Startup Life, which yes. was a, an accelerator. Yeah, exactly. What was the program for startups? How do they enter and how do they leave? Uh, so basically they, they enter without having any idea of how to start a startup and then having all the tools. So we're going through business modeling, customer exploration, and 
go-to-market strategies. In the end, they have a final pitch in front of investors. What was in it for you? Were you like extremely fulfilled? Yeah. Did you learn a lot? Like yeah, both. And for me, one of the biggest value I have is impact. So I love uh, like for me, freedom and impact and happiness in general is most important and connection. So that fit into everything, basically. To me, money wasn't the number one driver. It is always the freedom and to have an impact with the job that I'm delivering. And then uh, until a while, I also realized I don't want to work for anyone ever again. Like I would never consider applying for a job. I just love to be independent and do my own things. So, so let's talk about the female factor. <laughs> yeah, fine. Are we finally there? looks like we're in 2020. Yeah. No, I mean, 2019, I finally left Startup Life. And what I planned in between already had another organization that is called Female Founders. So it was actually supporting entrepreneurs on their way, female entrepreneurs. And I actually wanted to go full time on that. So that's what I planned already um, in 2018 and was actually due to be in the beginning of 2019. So Female Founders was an existing organization. We started it, me and my two co-founders, um, three, four years ago also, mm -hmm. three years ago, I think. Yeah. Kind of like a side hustle. It wasn't, yeah, that was really a nonprofit organization just to have some events for women entrepreneurs to connect each other, just because we saw like all, all the women entrepreneurs, which are like 10 in Austria, <laughs> they don't know each other even. So let's connect those 10. And then we just made a bit, bit of a bigger meetup out of it. And then it really created a pretty cool movement. And we started to um, take it also on an international level. And we actually built an accelerator upon it. We got public funding to create a women-led accelerator. So you received public funding? Yeah. So money from the Austrian government yeah. to do that? Yeah. How did you know that this resource was even available of to course, you? Of course, like Austria is like great in funding. And because we are working with entrepreneurs, I know all the resources there. That's something that startups so often miss yeah, because they definitely. go, they're used to asking money from investors or yeah. accelerators Before or using the public ones, And yeah. then you realize actually yeah. this Free money. country yeah. has programs to yeah. help like the innovation authorities. Course, and yeah. So it's such a... No, especially Austria is crazy. They have like so much possibilities for for early stage ones, especially also research and, and things like that. But yeah, I knew obviously the landscape and one of the parts of Startup Life was also educating them on the funding um, resources needed. And also the city of Vienna was um, sponsoring us so that they actually reached the right people. And Terrific. Yeah. So what happened between wanting to join and take on female founders full time to starting something called the Female Factor? Well, let's say some differences in what it should be like as a founding team and some differences in like humans in the approach to each other. So we had, um, yeah, different ideas of how it should, um, go the next months and years. And in the end we decided to split. I imagine these were fundamental differences if, if it, if it tore you apart, but looking back at it, yeah, was it fundamental differences in the approach, like the businesses you wanted to build? Or was it personality differences or values differences that were camouflaged? Everything, like literally everything came to the surface once money was involved. They were very interesting also. Before that, it was just a nice side project, right? And I loved it and I loved to, to build the, the community behind it. But there was always like a like different approach already from all the founders. And when money came in and we actually had the chance to, you know, pay us. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. Why? Because... Because you're getting more serious about what it should be, right? And what do you want to do? And how do you imagine your future? And if you're like, back then we, uh, we wanted to change it or we changed it actually in a proper entity, in a proper legal entity that is supposed to make money. And there you really need to reflect on, okay, well, can I see myself in three years from now? Do I want to co-found with those people? Because then it was really about shares and having stake in a company and making proper decisions. And that's where we realized uh, it doesn't really work. And now I'm just like, I'm super happy the way it, it developed because now we have the female factor, which is, has a bigger impact. And for me, impact, as I mentioned, was the number one thing. And I hadn't had the feeling that an acceleration program for women-led startups will have the impact. Of course, it has on those 10 people in the batch and it can change the world by having the right like, startups in there. But coming from a startup acceleration program, I really didn't want to do another one just for women. Choosing a founder oh, yeah. is so tricky. So what questions were you asking yourself in this, these moments of decision before deciding against proceeding with the female founders? 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Honestly, I just reflected on how much energy it cost me the last month to keep up the spirit and to convince myself that it's worth doing and I was like honestly no honestly I know it's I really invested so much time and resources three years into this brand and I loved it and I really wanted to keep it but then I was like it's not worth it it's not worth it a lot of us go up on on believing that relationships take maintenance and it's hard work so how could you tell when when too much hard work means I need to pull out of that situation? Honestly, I didn't even realize it. It's just there it was more an emotional state then at some point that I couldn't handle it anymore. So I got really, um, it was like the first time in my life that I felt kind of depressed. Um, and then I was like, okay, it's like, it's just not. It also goes against the value of happiness. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very and, much. And And... Were you able to identify that the reason for feeling somewhat depressed was these relationships and how this business was going? Yeah, yeah it, so was it, was, it was clear that. It was clear that, yeah. It was only that. It was really, really bad. It was, I mean, again, I love to reflect on things, why they're happening or what it actually brings to the table for you. And back then, I mean, the, the signals were so clear and also my intuition told me multiple times that this is not working. I just didn't listen because, yes, I'm a believer that you can make things happen if you want also. And I didn't see, I don't see bad in people in general. Like I always believe in the best things of um, of them. So I actually really thought we were getting over this, right? But I did not realize that there's fundamental differences in values and in actually what we want out of there and, you know, different motives behind why we do things. And I should have known that in the beginning already or a year before, but as long as it was to my advantage, I didn't bother so much, right? But then it turned around and then I realized, okay, well, that's actually things that I saw before. I just didn't care so much. So, yeah. A lot of the energy that goes into early stage ventures is emotional energy. Yeah, definitely. And naturally, it creates those those clashes. When you think of conflict, there are a few levels for the conflict, right? If, you, if we're in disagreement, it could be a data thing, right? You're saying X, I say 2X. How do you solve it? You go and you bring more data. And then you resolve it for this. Then there is about processes. I say we should go about it in X, and you say you should go about it in Y. What do you do? You read some more research, you consult an expert, or you experiment, and you end up in a conclusion. Then there is the goals. What are we trying to achieve here? I'm saying I'm saying an IPO, and you say, no, I'm just a small 300 million exit. But then the hardest, most complicated level of conflict is around values. Yes. You can force yourself into changing but yeah, only so. to a small extent yeah 
crazy. But if you're not aware of that, and if you don't assess that early on, right, then it's hard. And whenever there are emotions involved, it's like, it's really hard. Values are yeah. they're the most evident when they are tested. Of course. <laughs> you know, you can say that integrity is a value until you are really, yeah, really strapped exactly. and then you start cutting corners. You can say that of happiness course. is a value. And then actually, no, my value is feeling belonging. So I'll give up on my happiness just to be a part of a group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but also that requires that everyone is aware of the values, right? That That's the first part and not everyone is. And actually, this was one thing why I love to start up live weekends is because on the weekend where it's really stressful, you can get out the worst of people as well. So we had some major founder breakups during these three days, which is amazing. Just embrace that it's happening now and not like a year from now, you know? But we never went through that with the founding team before. So. What was the uh, things that caused such stress over such a short period of time? Um, I think it just escalated at some point, And I'm actually happy that um, at some point they pulled the trigger and said, okay, that's enough. So like they're trying to uh, put together the pitch deck and they can't give them the messaging. Yeah. What do you mean this? No, yeah. what do you mean that? And yeah. they're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> no, it was like, I remember one scene. It's like, okay, so you're the CEO, you're pitching. So I was asking her and this. And she was like, no, no, he's the CEO, he's pitching. And he's like, I'm not the CEO, I'm not mini. And then they started arguing, like, I don't care who is the CEO, someone needs to pitch right now. And then they just fought and then they didn't pitch in the end. Like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. No, it was sad, but it was also fun to look at. But it was good because they were really not good for they got They got their money's worth in yeah, terms of yeah. saving time. Just me asking his CEO when he pitched. Wow. <laughs> so funny. So yeah, I like the like, pressure on, on this kind of relationship because you really don't know. And also like with my co-founder now, even though we went through so much already, it's still hard also for us. And I think it's it's also so interesting because it's a... Uh, like starting like founding with women or being a business partner with a man is for me completely and fundamentally different. Like with my business partner at Startup Life, he's a, he's a guy. There was like less emotional things and very clear communication. I don't know if it's really him. He always knew how to handle me and he never got anything in a bad way. So if I did, did say something mean or anything, he was just like, you know, choking or saying, hey, like don't. But with my co-founder now, and I love her, and we are great together, and we have the same set of values, but it is like very different. So yeah, and I, I know even though we know each other for years now, we still test, uh, like we're still getting tested a lot in terms of if we're really good together and you know how to overcome like if we have different opinions and stuff like that. Some business ventures would benefit from uh, this uh, Teflon-like demeanor where you can say whatever and it stays in the room and you know how to argue and how to combat and uh, how to uh, really annoy one yeah. another. But when this conversation has ended, it has ended, yeah, exactly, we move on. Exactly. Some ventures would benefit from this emotional exchange yeah. where you realize I will never do anything to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Your feelings are, matter more to me than, than the success of the company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, that, again, a balance, right? And that's also something because I co-founded now, the female practice co-founder was my best friend. So <laughs> that's another layer to it because for her, it was specifically challenged because she said, listen, I want to put actually the business first, but we're friends, so I can't. So I feel sometimes I'm not harsh enough on you because you're my friend. I'm like, you can be, I don't, I don't mind. So we have a safe word in case we are hurting each other and that's penguin. Penguin is the safe word? Yeah. Penguin is... <laughs> It's a very good word. Because we were together in Cape Town and penguins are like the cutest animals on earth. You know, you can swim with them there. And we said it was such a heavy moment for us that it always takes us back to that moment there. So whenever we are like emotionally struggling, we see penguin. And a co-founder safe word. Yeah, cute, right? That is amazing. Yeah, that's the number one tip of the podcast. <laughs> Get yeah, a that's, co-founder that's, safe word. That's valuable. Yeah, no, it really wow. helps. Yeah. When was the last time you used Actually, penguin? Actually, long ago, last year. I think in November or December. That was the last time you said penguin. She said. Oh, she said. Huh? I think I never said it. I think I never. You never said penguin. No. Okay. Okay. Challenge accepted. Did <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Maris? <laughs> Trying not to. No. So yeah. the female yeah. factor. This is your core venture. This is what occupies you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. So yes, it originated of the feeling that we wanted to do something for female entrepreneurs, with female founders back then, but we thought, okay only female entrepreneurs. I mean, we're great, like, of 
course, the world needs more of like uh, women in, in, in those positions. But it's actually, we feel it is a combined, um, combined efforts are needed to actually really drive change. So for, for me, again, number one value or one of the number one values is impact. And only supporting entrepreneurs and being by themselves, it really didn't kick in the things that we wanted to do. And sometimes you need to, or most of the time, you need to have decision makers in powerful positions, in huge corporates, in political uh, fields that, are can, that actually can make things happen. Because this one startup has a hard time to actually drive. Even though I'm a firm believer that literally every person can change the world, right? If they want to do so. So we said, okay, we need to mix it up. And actually what we are trying and what we're what we aiming to achieve is really having fundamentally change in leadership in general in the world, because we feel then more female factors needed. So why female factors? Because it's things like empathy, collaboration approach, and this like mindset of like supporting each other. Like if you see a sustainability ventures and things like that, they're mostly started by women, right? So we think one step ahead. Of course, men do that as well, but significantly more in women. So we feel, okay, we want to support those traits in women and make them feel proud of it. So we don't need to change ourselves to be in leadership positions. We can be like the human that we are, the women that we are, and still achieve something and still drive change. And we don't need to have this elbow mentality and we don't need to be strong or like be, I don't know, shitty to any one of our employees. You don't need to be more of a man exactly. in order to better cope with the world as a, as a woman. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we want to have. We want to encourage uh, women that they can be themselves and they can be proud of who they are and still bring a lot to the table and drive change in the world. So two questions. A is how do you do it? And B is how do you make money out of doing it? Yeah, very good questions. So how do we do it? We did a lot of research also last year already before we started it in what is actually needed for women to um, be successful in their job or in their business. And it basically can pinpoint it down to three things. And that's the confidence in herself that she can do things. The confidence is actually, of course, you need to be able to deliver results and connections. And then we are supporting exactly with these three pillars. So how we do it is confidence is a lot of like peer support, obviously, mentoring support, but also confidence trainings per se, how to build it, how to build it in others, how to better talk to yourself, like a lot of like soft skills that are there. Um, to be more empathic with yourself and things like that. Competence is about more being personal branding and having that on, on properly done and know how to pitch yourself, know how to negotiate, how to do sales properly, every, every basic skill needed to really be good in the workplace and to get where you want to be and to ask for things. That's also one important thing. And the connection part where we basically lack behind when it comes to guys, right? You have way more informal connections that are enabling, you know, new career paths and stuff like that. And we wanted to help women to get there faster with the right connection. So not only connecting the peers between each other, but also to decision makers. So we have a mentoring program with over 150 mentors all across the world um, in different industries. And you can just like, you know, apply to one of them and ask um, the things that you need to, um, to get. So, so if I'm a member of the Female Factor, I, I pay a fee to be a part of the yeah. program? And that gives me access to the, the company's Rolodex. Yeah. And do you manage these connections? Do you facilitate these connections? Yeah. Or is it available for everyone who wants to join? No, if they want to join, they need to apply for it. So we want to make sure that they're the right set of values. So we're asking values if they're coming in. Um, we ask where they stand at the moment, what they need, who they want to meet, how we can help them. We want to be clear of their goals and why they want to join. So this is important because what we see also is in a very loose community, the support is less because you're just there, right? And the one thing is I want everyone has each other's back and that they're trying their best to help each other. So Engaged everyone needs to contribute as well. Yes. I get it. I so get giving it. and uh, taking. And how did the program actually work? So, so I pay a monthly fee. I'm a member now. Um, what do you do with me? What should I be expecting? So last week we had one of the biggest events so far, which was a conference that was um, on online. So we are doing that a lot, a lot of different event formats. So this is something that is happening. Um, sometimes it's work, workshop style, sometimes it's just networking. Um, there's an online networking platform as, um, available as well. We match you with the right people. So you give us some information and you can actually get in chat with them. The mentoring program is twice a year for six months. So you're also connected there and we facilitate that. And then there's a lot of resources. So you get in and you actually go through an opportunity journey, how we call it. So you basically assess what you need to be open for opportunities and to get ready for that. 
And that's a lot of confidence building, but it's also we're doing CV checks and LinkedIn checks, personal branding workshops, a lot of things that are needed to actually get where you want to be in your career. And then we are also making sure that you're setting the right goals. So we asked you in the very beginning, very challenging already. So what do you want, right? And try to navigate you what you want to do and get the best out of yourself, actually. Tanya, so the female factor is about connecting women to opportunity. Yes. Oh my God, you phrased that so nice. Exactly what we're saying. So you provide women with the confidence, competence, and connections. Yes. Are there any success stories you'd like to share? I mean, we only started a year ago, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint down what happened so far, but uh, the testimonials we had is really like women love that they are in a supportive community. And one of them is, for example, she developed through the mentoring program from her growth hacking position into a um, CMO position in the company. And they hadn't even C-level before she came in. So she actually asked to create the C-level for her. And now the whole movement started and there's also a female um, CFO in the company only because she was in this mentoring program and she actually got the confidence of all of us supporting her that she can ask for that because she's dope and she knows what she's doing. So that's my favorite success story, which um, actually, yeah, just happened last year. But there are little, little ones as well, people that met and became friends. And I love like how these little things are connecting and then you just like create something really meaningful together. Naturally, these types of things take time, but if you leave a weekend like that or, or an engagement like that with the right momentum, you will walk into the boss's office and, and be more assertive. Yeah. You'll have better clarity. On, on what you want to achieve and what yeah. you're lacking in order to achieve that. And I really, really hope that you'll keep reaping the fruits of this uh, work that you guys are doing. Now, we've covered that. Uh, this is an international community, right? Yes. So Wait, I need to brag about it because like last week please, at the please conference, brag about it. we had literally people from 47 countries applying to join. 47. There was like Azerbaijan, like Venezuela, like Iraq, Bahamas, like literally from everywhere in the world obviously singapore malaysia like how did Europe. you get the news i didn't even was... know i can count 47 countries i know i couldn't either i was like okay it's like a... so yeah that's dope and the way we did it is really just by having the right people on board already because literally we connected like the whole network and asked everyone to you know find the right people and it's crazy you lose ends it's like you know you met the person 10 years ago while studying and this person lives now in like Iceland and joins from there. That is just so beautiful. And everyone was like, you know, the feedback we got from this conference was like amazing. Like things like the best online conference and experience I ever had. And, you know, one of the mentors, she said, you guys writing history here and thank you that I can be part of it. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> thank you. So with that perspective of um, having worked extensively in Austria and in Israel, and doing this exchange in between Europe and Israel. What did you learn of the differences between the two ecosystems? What does Europe have going for her and what does Israel have going for her? I think, I mean, Europe is going, well, like the best part is that it's actually without borders, right? So that obviously is great. So you can really fluent, uh, go from country to country and also reach more countries easier. And in general, there's a lot of diversity there, which is just unique and beautiful and brings a lot to the table. Also for us working in um, Austria or studying there, you meet a lot of international people already that are coming to study and work there, right? Like Sasha, our common friend coming from Ukraine and all the things. So that comes for us to also have experience in intercultural communication and connections which is in Israel also, but the most common thing here is then they made Aliyah. So at least the common source is like being Jewish. Made Aliyah is coming here out of a, out of a religious or yeah, a exactly. Zionistic motives. Yeah. A, a very it's... specific type of relocation. That's true. That's true. Uh, so that that's goes still for Europe and a lot of like yeah, different opportunities there for sure. And the one thing, and I think I mentioned it in the beginning, what is definitely a, a win for Israel is this global mindset. So the one thing that you're not very you know, neighbor-ish country and you're not, can, cannot cross borders like easily like we can do. You can, can yeah, it's your own peril. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You uh, won't so... get any travel insurance. To... <laughs> exactly. It's true. Uh, so yeah, I think that also makes it very unique in your mindset in a sense that you just need to think global as an entrepreneur in the general, you know, you're, you're just, yeah, you just think beyond borders in a sense that you just go global from the first place where what you wanted to do and build. And that's something that is for sure an advantage when it comes to entrepreneurs here. 
if you could change one thing, take something from the European ecosystem and embed it into Israel, what would it be? Wow, that's a good question. And uh, what would it be? The, actually, I mean, again, coming back more to entrepreneurs, it would be maybe the support landscape because I feel, especially for a lot of business owners here during Corona, for example, it got really hard. And speaking now for us, where we have tons of support systems that also covering now in hard times. And I think for entrepreneurs, having the safety net can be nice. I mean, some still will thrive, but for some, it's really hard if they, cross, uh, if they don't land on the floor. And being that doing that in Israel without like all those nice things and without being in the best country to live in, it can be kind of hard. So I would use that support system and um, bring it here maybe. And the other way around, the beach to Austria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still trying to get like that part of Italy back so we can say we have beach. Yeah. <laughs> you said that uh, the best startups are built when you scratch your own itch mm. in a way. So obviously you are extremely passionate about promoting women and gender equality within the business world. What's your forecast of where we're going? We're seeing as an example that countries led by female leaders have gone through COVID, yeah, you know, better. a bit better. Yeah, but that's, that's an anecdotal thing. On a day-to-day -day level, what are the changes you're hoping for? Where do you see this whole clash, if you will, going? I mean, I, my hopes are obviously up and I think we will manage better. But like if I'm talking, for example, to mentors of mine that actually experienced the last wave where like, you know, um, equality came up and uh, we were fighting as women for, you know, more rights. They say we are just really not changing anything. And it's actually the statistics until we have like equal pays and like really <laughs> enough women and board levels and stuff like that. It takes forever. So I'm not sure if the numbers is what really counts. But what I want is really an, a, like a world full of opportunities for young women that they see they can do whatever they want, right? Just by seeing role models and seeing entrepreneurs that are female and actually are doing good, great things. And in general, what I hope for and what I see already is a shift in consciousness in general, what a leader should be and how they should be. And not this like ego-driven, success-hungry male in his 40s, white male, obviously, but like something, someone with like integrity, with like having a holistic approach to life and really fostering empathy and being there for the people and having the sense of responsibility that they can change the world by leading their own companies or their own departments for better by taking care of their own people. So I really hope the world will change, change in that direction. And I think, again, COVID was like a hard hit for all of us. But I think part of it is that we, what we are getting out of there is a more holistic approach and that we are all interconnected and that we need more leaders on top that are conscious about that and are aware of their responsibilities towards the world. And if there are guys who are listening to it and they're like, <laughs> okay, the world is out of balance at the yeah. moment. How can we be better allies? What yeah. should we read, do, think about to better understand the perspective of, of females who are going through those challenges? So that's a very good question. There is a lot of research and a lot of articles and books around unconscious bias that is also valid for women because sometimes we also don't even realize that we are biased and being really aware of what you're saying in which context and if this is a real thing and a fact or if it's a belief that you have just because you're male female so there can be like small thing that you still think that the woman is a secretary even so she's the ceo but also the thing that the woman needs to write a protocol because why should i write that as a guy so the small clues and sometimes you're really not aware that this is unconsciously that you're thinking like that so just be aware and read a bit on that it's really eye-opening also for women so that also for women out there to read upon unconscious biases. And one thing that I'm always saying for like um, to male leaders, first of all, bring women in early on because you need the balance, as you said, like we need more like diversity on tops on the top ranges. So they actually can foster diversity in the next ranges. That's easy. Um, and then actually to do something in terms of speaker and being entrepreneur and being out there as a role model, make sure if you are going to any panel or speak anywhere that you're only going if there's 50 50 it's that easy because me as a woman if i see that there's only like three women i cannot say okay i'm not coming because then the one woman falls out but if all the guys would say okay i can speak at your conference but only in the same online if you make it 50 50 at least and have some diversity in the panels then yes 
And that's really small, but this is the role model thing that is so important. If we can't see it in all the media portrait that there are women on there as well, and they're equally talented and good and skilled, then how should we drive change in the end, right? And it's really small what every guy can do. If I can contribute one thing to that list is that when you are in a meeting with diverse people, gauge the share of voice. Yeah. How much of the of the airtime is occupied by the guys versus yeah. the girls? And if you find it's more towards the guys, interject proactively to make yeah. sure that everyone is held. So it doesn't have to be as blunt as saying, now I want to hear from the woman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, something much more subtle, which is adopt a roundtable approach. Yeah, definitely. So that would be my definitely. thing. Yeah. Tanya, we're almost at the end of our time. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to bring forth? I think we covered literally everything. I mean, at the end, I always need to say thank you, mom, <laughs> for being there. Everyone needs to say thank you, mom, yeah, everywhere at every point in time. Exactly. Um, no, but besides, that was really interesting talking to you. And um, I think I said literally everything. And if there are any entrepreneurs out there, just try and do it. And especially if you're a woman, you don't need to know everything yet. You will learn on the way and just always trust your intuition. Speaking That's of it. learning, where should people go to learn more about you and the work you do? I mean, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn as, as you stalked me, right? Rightfully so. And our domain is um, femalefactor.global. Um, you find all the information there and also my contact details. Perfect. Tanya, thank you so, so much. We hope Israel is embracing to you <laughs> as you are embracing to us. It's been an absolute thank pleasure. You. Thank you for having me, Tom. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.